Good morning. Well, welcome to LifePoint. Today, we are in the last week of a series called Big Rocks. And what we've been talking about is how to live the God first life. It's really a series about priorities. So thank you for being here today. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and I would love to meet you after the service if you're here for the first time. There will be several of us down front that would like to meet you and say hello and hear a little bit about how you found your way here to LifePoint today. Well, there's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep. You can borrow it, or you can read along on the screen as I read uh, from God's Word today. Well, as we've been in this series called Big Rocks, I've discovered something. We are really busy people. I would imagine many of you, I'm just going to guess that you feel like life is really not just full, but over full. And somehow, if you know what Jesus said when he said, I've come, you can have life and have it to the full, you feel like, okay, he didn't say over full, but my life feels like I'm just running and running and running and never getting to slow down. I can't get it all in. You can probably relate to trying to get it all in, but not being able to. So we've used this classic illustration with the jars and the rocks to illustrate our life and our priorities. And the fact is, most of our lives probably look a lot like this. It probably looks like we've tried to put everything in there and then, hey, let's get the important stuff in now. And then you don't have room for it. And if you're going through life wondering why you can't get the things done that you know you need to get done, it could be because you don't have your priorities in the right order. If you've missed any of this, please go on our website and have a look at the videos or the audio from the first four weeks. And I'll just give you a quick review of what we've covered. The big rocks that we've talked about that really need to be prioritized in our life, obviously first is God. We want to have God as the priority, the only priority, the first thing that we ever start with. And so uh, what Jesus tried to tell us was, look, if you put God first and his kingdom then all the little stuff that you tend to worry about, that'll be taken care of. So here's what we said in week one. When God is in first place, everything else, it just falls into place. So when I put God first, it just seems like things seem to be a little smoother. Things go a little bit better. And when I put God first in my life and I have that relationship with Christ that he wants everybody to have, I'm invited into a family. And the followers of Jesus... They're the family of Jesus. And the family of Jesus, the church, was created for us to have that support network that's stronger than our biological family, stronger than the people we're growing up with, stronger than the people we even live in the house with, that, that we have this connection with God's family that will get us through and help us through anything in life. And so God... Wants, to, wants us to put him first so he can take care of the small stuff. He invites us into a family, and he doesn't just leave us there. He gives us purpose. He gives us a mission. He trusts in us so much that we are his marketing plan to let the world know that Jesus is the answer to the questions they have. And so through looking at the teachings of Jesus, we discovered that it's really important that we put our mission in there. We're going to have a class about that. Have you heard about that class? It starts tomorrow night. It's called My Mission. If you don't know what it is, look in your program, take out your Connect card, write My Mission on the back, and you'll be registered. Be a part of a class that helps you learn how to live on mission without adding all this stuff to your life. And what does it really mean to follow Jesus' mission? Because wherever you are sent, and if you're a follower of Christ, you are sent. Wherever you are sent, represent. 
And another big priority in life is, is being generous. And that was what we talked about last week was how when we prioritize generosity, everything else seems to just go better. And generosity is different for every person, but God expects us to be generous in the amount that demonstrates trust. For a lot of people, that's 10%. For a lot of people, it needs to be a whole lot more than that. But give the amount that demonstrates trust. And when we get those priorities right in our life, when we understand those, things just seem to go better. So now we're up to this last one in this series. This is the one that you're going to have the hardest time applying because it's probably the one that every single person in this room deals with. It's one that I deal with on a weekly basis. And it's probably the one you're going to say, well, that's just not realistic. You don't understand my life. You don't understand my job. You don't understand what I do. And, and so I don't think that one's realistic, Donnie. And that's the idea of regular rest. Resting. What would your life look like if you prioritize rest? Because the way it looks for most of us is run, 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 fast, 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 get it all, do it all, have fun, let's get everything done, hurry, get in the car, let's go, we're going to be late. I need to rest, and although I don't have time to rest, i got to do it all again, it's another week, and then our lives are just over full. Can anybody relate to that? And you think, how can I, how can I ever get rest into my life? And I'm not just talking about taking a nap on Sunday afternoon. I'm doing that today, I promise but I'm talking about real soul replenishing rest. See, we, are, we live in a culture and we've created this culture and this environment where everything goes all the time. There's never a time when everything just stops, just finished, just done, let's just stop, let's just rest. If you went up to somebody and said, how are you doing? And they said, well, I've been resting and I'm refreshed, and I feel awesome. In fact, it was so good, I'm going to rest again tomorrow. And I might, you, you would think one of two things. One, I'm talking to a lazy person. Or two, you need to get a job and be a productive member of, of society. Because people, normal people don't just rest. They don't just go around taking days off and resting. But we all need rest. Repeat this after me. I need rest. So we all need it. A, one year ago, this was in the news. A 21-year-old Bank of America employee died during his internship after working 72 straight hours with no sleep. He had a seizure and he died. The coroner said the seizure was brought on by extreme fatigue. So if I don't rest, something suffers. My health suffers, relationships suffer, my, my job performance suffers. My performance in the classroom suffers if I don't rest. God knew that we would need this. God knew that, that we would tend to fill our lives up and think we don't have time to rest. And so early on in Scripture, God made it really clear, I want my people to rest. It's so important to God that we rest. He made it one of the ten big ones. I mean... It, we think about the Ten Commandments, it's really 613 commands. We just always hear about the top 10. Well, resting made the top 10. It was number four. The fourth one, you need to rest. You need to take a day and you need to rest. Now, he was asking people to rest to remember him. He was asking them to observe a certain day. And here's how it's expressed in the book of Exodus, chapter 34, 
verse 21. Six days you shall labor, and on the seventh day you shall rest. Now what God was doing was he was establishing for the Israelites, for his chosen people, this rhythm of work and rest and work and rest. And you work for six days, you rest for one. I'm going to give you seven days provision based on six days of work. And he had a bunch of different ways that he showed them how he was going to do that because they had just finished about 400 years in slavery. So they were used to just having to work all the time. And so very quickly, he said, I want you to establish a rhythm where you have regular rest in your life. And so he commanded it. You need to take a day and you need to rest. God even went further and said, for those of you farmers, you can, you can plow the field for six years, but on the seventh year, don't do anything. Let it lie fallow. Now, he didn't explain why, but the why was because if they depleted all the nutrients out of the soil, it wouldn't grow crops anymore. If you know much about history, in the 1930s in the U.S., we had the Dust Bowl, and the reason we had that was because they farmed and farmed and farmed and farmed and farmed and took all the nutrients out of the soil, a drought, a big windstorm came, and, you know, a bunch of Kansas and Oklahoma ended up in New York because of the winds. So that was the Dust Bowl because they depleted all the nutrients out of the soil. So God commanded it. Now to them, to the Israelites, he called it the Sabbath. And we don't observe the Sabbath, but we should observe a Sabbath. The Sabbath for them was that seventh day. It was on Saturday that they were supposed to just stop and rest. Now you might think, well, that's fine for 4,000 years ago, but I got a lot more to do than they did. And how can you bring that idea into the 21st century? How can we just transplant that here in a culture that never stops and never rests? Now, it's true. We're not living under the Ten Commandments. You don't make yourself right, by God, right with God by obeying the Ten Commandments. You make yourself right with God by obeying Jesus Christ. But there's still the principle of rest, God didn't just give that command to just be arbitrarily giving a command. He did it because our bodies need it. Now, very quickly, they figured out ways around it because, hey, all the other countries were working seven days a week. And if they didn't work seven days a week, how would they compete? And so they figured out some, some uh, ways that they could get around and they figured out, well, maybe if we make this rule, we could stretch that and we could still get seven days of work in. But the fact still remains, God designed us. He created us to need rest. Some people do really well with this. Some of you are like, rest? What do you mean? I'm rested. That's great. You can like nap for the next 20 minutes. Because for the rest of us, we struggle. I struggle. As I was putting this message together, I, was, I just kept thinking, Donnie, you are a hypocrite. You're about to talk to everybody about something they need to do that you do a horrible job with, that you don't prioritize in your life. And so if this is not applicable to you, just no way he's talking to himself today. You know, just bless his heart. He's just talking to himself because I need to hear this. So God created us to rest and Jesus comes along and we see Jesus obeying the rhythms of life that God established. Jesus was God in the flesh and yet he still rested. Listen, in the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 31. 
Then because so many people were coming and going, they, talking about Jesus and his disciples, did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. How many of us, just be honest with yourself, would love for somebody to say, hey, come on, let's go to a quiet place so you can get some rest. Now, if you're a single mom in here, or stay-at-home mom, by this time you're like, mm-hmm, all right, come on. Tell me, how in the world can I get some rest? Because the only time I get to rest is when they fall down asleep, and that's like 20 minutes, and they can never get on the same schedule, and this is not easy to do. But wouldn't you love to hear somebody say, hey, come on, let's go to a quiet place where we can just get some rest. Jesus practiced this. Jesus had this rhythm of he would be around people. He would perform a miracle. He would do some teaching. And then he would withdraw and he would rest. And you would see him go back and re-engage with people and then withdraw and rest. There's an example of that in Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone so Jesus withdrew and he rested and you might think well of course Jesus did he's Jesus he did everything right it's natural he would do what God wanted him to do look he had something on his to-do list we didn't he had save the world at the top of his to-do list every morning when he got up and he was God in the flesh so if God in the flesh needed to rest do you think we need to rest Do you think we need to follow what he said? Hey, let's take a 24-hour period and disconnect and just rest. And you might think, all right, that's a pipe dream. 24 hours where I just rest, where I just stop, where I don't do anything. That's not even reasonable. How in the world could that happen? And maybe you're thinking, you're a pastor. You don't understand that. Okay, let me. if you think I don't understand... How many of you remember writing term papers in, in school? Three to 5,000 words. Or imagine doing that 52 times a year every week, and it's got to happen because, and then you have to do it in an effective way so everybody stays awake for 30 minutes. You have to figure out how it's all going to work and make it creative and make it all fit together. And that happens every Sunday, and it just doesn't stop. It keeps going and going and going. There's a Sunday every week. <laughs> Can you feel my pain a little bit? Sometimes I've said to the staff, you know what we ought to do? Let's cancel church for a month. And if we did, if some of you, maybe it wouldn't matter, but you wouldn't notice. But, but if we did, we could get caught up. I understand what it's like to keep going and going and going and never just taking time and stopping and saying, okay, I'm going to rest. I can tell when I don't rest. I don't know about you, but my wife is so sweet and so soft-spoken and so nice. She, she never says, get out of my face and go take a nap. But she says, honey, are you tired? That, that's, how she, that's, that's how I know what she means by that. Are you tired, honey? Or is it, yeah, I guess I am. So I'll go, I'll go rest. I'll go take a nap. Or why don't you take a day off? I, I'm not as creative when I don't rest. My ideas are, are really dumb. When I'm not rested, it's like, what are you thinking? That's a horrible idea. Okay, so I need to go rest. Here's just some of what doctors, will, doctors say happens when we don't get enough rest and don't get enough sleep. 
one, obesity, heart disease, depression, lapse of attention. So you think staying up all night, students, and studying will help you better, make you better off, but it won't. It'll make you worse off. Lapses in attention and an early mortality rate for people who refuse to rest. So is there a way to live to prioritize our life that will allow us to get rest, get sleep, and to replenish our body and our soul the way God designed it. There's a group of shepherds that live, even today, in the Middle East, around Jerusalem, all in that area of the world. They're called Bedouin shepherds. And not too long ago, a group of researchers figured out these Bedouin shepherds, who live pretty much the same way today they did in Jesus' time, they live to be an average of 100 plus. I mean, that's old. So they go and say, okay, what do you eat? It's got to be their diet. It must be what they eat. So they start figuring out, and they, they don't really have a great diet. They don't eat Krispy Kremes, I'm sure, but, but it wasn't their diet. And so when they continue to drill down, why do these people live so long? It was because they had established in their life this rhythm of work and rest. And I'm sure we think shepherd is like, well, what do you have to do? Guide a sheep around in the desert. That's not a hard thing to do. I'm sure there's a lot more to it than we understand. But they have figured out this rhythm of work and rest and work and rest. And they're living longer because of it. We think we're going to find the, the right piece of exercise equipment or the right diet or the right whatever workout. And that's going to make everything better. But without rest, your body and your soul will never get what it needs. So if given the choice between what the medical community says and being like a Bedouin shepherd, I was like, I'm thinking, give me my sheep. Tell me where to go. Because that's the kind of life that I want to have. They're living at this pace that, that makes their life better, their quality of life higher. So if you're taking notes, write this down. A sustainable pace puts me in a better place. It puts you in a better place physically. It puts you in a better place emotionally. I have this friend that he used to want to meet me at like five o'clock in the morning. And I was like, when do you go to bed? He goes, oh, usually after midnight. And I was like, well, you know, me too, but I'm not getting up at five o'clock in the morning to meet you. And he's like, come on, you can sleep when you die. And I was like, oh, I understand that, but I want it to be a lot further in the future than it's going to be for you. Our bodies, need, we need to be at this sustainable pace if we want to live at a better place. Here's what happens. When you just go, 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 go all the time and never stop and never stop and tensions are high at home and everybody's yelling instead of talking and, and then the kids learn that from us so they're doing the same thing and, and everything's just, your body's running on adrenaline like you're bungee jumping all the time. It's like when you run constantly on adrenaline, you know when somebody cuts you off in traffic, I mean, just be honest, you know, you want to like, Give them a, you know, indicate they're number one or something like that. Or, or say something out the window you shouldn't say. And, you know, you, you get upset. It's because your adrenaline just, woo, like, you idiot, you almost hit me. You almost damaged my car. You almost caused an accident. And people get angry. That's when your adrenaline just shoots up. Your body's not designed to live on adrenaline all the time. But when we live our lives over full, never stopping, constantly running, constantly moving, we end up living on adrenaline. Constant reliance upon adrenaline to get us through every day is like redlining your car, getting in it when you get in the parking lot and just pushing it to the floor and sitting there. 
It wouldn't be long, the engine would... And it won't be long if you run your life on adrenaline only that you're going to crash. Except it's going to cost a lot more than replacing an engine in your car. It might, might cause, cost your marriage. It might cost your health. It may cost important relationships in your life. It may damage the relationship you have with your kids because you won't stop and slow down. In the book, Leading on Empty... Author Wayne Cordero, who experienced a burnout himself, repeats what his psychiatrist told him. He says, serotonin, which is a chemical in our body that, that helps us feel better. It, it creates uh, a sense of well-being. It just it makes you feel better. It makes you feel more rested. People that struggle with depression, they have depleted levels of this. So this is what this psychiatrist says. Serotonin can get depleted when you don't live with a cadence that allows it to be replenished. This happens in all types of people, but especially those who live with an overload of expectation. Depression takes the place of initiative. Your indecision and anxiety increases when you don't take time to develop a sustainable pace so you can rest. See, when I'm tired, I'm really at risk, I'm vulnerable. When, I, when I'm tired, I can make really bad decisions. When I'm tired, my judgment goes, it, it lowers. It's not as sharp. When I have to decide, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? It's hard to make those decisions when we're burnt out and tired. And I've sat with friends who've made some really bad decisions in life. And I was trying to recall the conversations this week as I put this message together. And everyone I could recall, somewhere in the conversation was this, this confession that I've been working too much. I've really felt burned out. And that's what led me to make this bad decision or that bad decision. So morally they're messed up. Or financially they're, they've dug themselves into a hole because they were just too tired to make the right decision. So living at a sustainable pace will put you in a better place. But living at a not, not in a sustainable pace, it, it'll put you in a bad place, a place where you don't want to be. So you got to figure out a way to get rest implemented into your life. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Those two words, be still, what that literally means is cease striving. Cease striving and get to know God. Slow down and experience God. And that will require us to maybe challenge the way we think about work. We think, challenge the way we think about rest because the way we normally do it is, this is the way I normally do it is, I run, 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 fast, 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 get everything done, get everything done, and then when it's time to rest, just plah just fall down. You ever do that at the end of a day or at the end of a long, heavy, busy period in your life? What if we flipped it? Instead of resting because we've worked so hard, we can work so hard because we've rested. Just turn that around. And now our rest, our work comes from a place of rest instead of the other way around. This was the fourth command in the list of 10 that you can read about in the book of Exodus. It was before all the thou shalt not. 
The only ones that came before this was don't have gods before me, don't worship false idols, don't take my name in vain, and rest. Take a day and rest. And then all of the, hey, don't commit adultery. Hey, don't, don't be jealous of what your neighbor has. Hey, obey your parents. All of that came after the command that we need to rest. So could it be that rest teaches us to follow God in the way he designed us? If you're not in a place in life where you can have this rhythm of rest and work and rest and work, and you think, my job just will not allow it, quit your job. Find another one. You can find another job. You can make more money. You can downsize to a smaller house. You get one body to take care of. Your kids are only little one time. Those are things you can't get back. You can find another job. If the one you have is stressing you out, figure it out. Take, take the amount of time necessary and find another one before it destroys the things that can't be reversed. I, this really convicted me as I, as I went through this because I struggle with it. I need to get better at it. So you may think, it's not possible for me to rest today. That's not even reasonable. I heard something in church today that's not even reasonable for me to do. Rest for a day. I don't know how everybody's life is, but we have to figure out a way to do it. It can be done. Chick-fil-A's closed on Sunday, and they made $5 billion last year. So there's a way to do it. And they were closed on Sunday long before they made that much money. So can it be done? Yes, it can be done. It just has to be prioritized. It has to be put in first. And rest is learned. You may not have a job where you can call your boss up tomorrow morning and say, hey, just wanted you to know I need some rest. So I won't be in for a couple days. Now that's probably not the case for most of us. But can you start to take steps to get to a place of rest that will help you be sharper, that will help you think deeper, that will help you feel refreshed at the core of your being and connected with God? A sustainable pace puts me in a better place. And once you, once you figure out, okay, here's the day I can do it, it's quite simple. Unplug. That means nothing electronic connected to your body or within your reach. Really unplugged. And then another thing, th this is what I've decided to do. So I'm going to unplug for a day. I'm not going to make any decisions for one 24-hour period. I, we can eat wherever they want. We can do whatever they want. I'm making no decisions. Because you know, in a half an hour or less, somebody's going to say, where are we going to lunch? You're like, I don't know. Why do you always ask me where we're going to lunch? Because decisions cause stress. And so go a 24-hour period. It's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to make any decisions. I am not going to multitask. In fact, scientists are figuring out that multitasking is really bad for your brain. It doesn't make you smarter. It actually doesn't even make you more efficient. Of course, you're thinking, well, I'm good at it. You don't understand. But it's true. It doesn't make you more efficient to multitask. Here's why this is important. Really important. Because we think it's not that big of a deal. Big deal. I'm not resting. But the cumulative effect over time of not resting will destroy you not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. Will one or two weeks or even a month working hard and not resting do that? No, it won't. 
But the cumulative effect over time will destroy you. Will, will eating you know, one dozen of donuts or, or one whole pizza by yourself, is that going to destroy your health? No, it's not. But, but you continue to do that day after day, week after week, it will kill you. Well, missing a kid's ball game or a recital, will that, will that harm that relationship? No, that has to happen sometimes. It can't be avoided. But the cumulative effect over time will have an irreversible effect on your family. And it's the same thing with rest. You can get by a little while. You can live on adrenaline for a while, but it won't be long. You're going to crash. And so our challenge is to make rest a priority, to make sure that it goes in before all the other stuff that we like to do. God's not against us having fun. God's not against us being happy. He just is against it when we seek that stuff before we prioritize the most important thing in our life because he knows that if we don't prioritize our life and put the most important things first, they'll be pushed out and our life is going to be over full and we're not going to have time for them and now we can't live the full life that Jesus promised us. And so when I make my life like this and say, all right, it's solid, I got the most important things in first. I, I understand I, I need to do all of those things and I need to prioritize that. And now I want to do all this, all this other stuff, this fun stuff that may require me to have a mortgage or a payment or a trip or a something. Can I focus on that? Well, you can have it in your life. It just has to come at the right time. And when we do that, somehow... It may not look like it's going to fit, and you may think, well, if I rest, you don't understand. I'm not going to get it all done. I'm not going to get to do everything I want to do. I'm not going to get to experience everything I want to experience. And God says, just put me first. Prioritize your life in the right way, and it's all going to fit in. Now, that's a challenge. It's not easy to walk out today, and if your life is like this, say, okay, we're going to fix it all today, kids. But you can start to take some steps to live the God-first life. And I hope over the last five weeks you've learned that it's not just about making it happen like that. It's about starting to implement new habits in our life that prioritizes our life in a way that we don't feel over full all the time, and yet we're living a full and complete life the way God intended it. That's the God-first life. May you go and may you live it. Let's pray. God, thank you for the challenge for us to rest. May we learn how to do that. May we arrange our lives in such a way that that's a priority. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.